got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of a defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Oh, and he was absolutely knocked back into that tweet by Atwood. David Atwood has got titanium in his shoulders at the moment. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes magnificently on the Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bath Rugby Plug podcast. The rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I am not joined this week in a room filled with heroes. The heroes are down the line um, in other parts of the country this week, unfortunately. So apologies for the slightly poor audio than we're normally used to. Um, but we're all here together and that is Tom. Hi, And that is Charlie. Uh, hello, Gabriel, how are you getting on? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Slightly disappointed um, about the, the weekend's results. And, and let's get straight into it, lads. And, and another defeat for the blue, black and white, Tom. Um, was, this a, was this a step backwards from, from last week's uh, defeat against Leinster at home? Yeah, I think it was. Um, you know, Tom Black had us come out after the game and, and you know, described it as the sort of the yin and the yang, I guess, compared with, uh, compared with last week. And, and, you know, last week we did mention, uh, you know, whether it was us, uh, playing well or Leinster maybe not being at their sort of very sort of clinical best and I think we did see a very clinical Leinster um, and I also think our performance was was lacking um, compared to last week I thought I thought I don't know if you thought Charlie I thought particularly um, in defence we were we were very poor and that was that was really disappointing and that that allowed us to sort of uh, allowed Leinster sorry to, to, to cast apart like ribbons yeah that's what I, I, I agree with you really I thought everything that we did really well last week we didn't really do this week um, in in respect to the collisions. I think that was mentioned especially by uh, by um, oh, what was his name uh, Leo Cullen uh, after the game, saying that the the Leinster boys were disappointed with uh, with with their, their performance at the, the collision uh, at the wreck, and they worked on that this week and you could really see that um, they were carrying well over the game line uh, Bath just looked at sixes and sevens when we were in, de- in defence and I, w- one point I really picked up was um, was the breakdown I thought we just mm. we just couldn't slow their ball down at all they were just getting quick ball off the base uh, of the ruck every single time and um, I think what it, Francois Lowe stood out quite well for me uh, in the first in the first few minutes. Um, made a couple of good turnovers. He obviously got that that uh, penalty. He, he won that penalty. Uh, they got us that three points uh, um, right at the start of the match. But at the breakdown, they were just getting quick ball, and the team like Leinster, they were on hot form on, on the day. I mean, you know what, what? What could we really do? Uh, we had a a back line that it started to be a bit patched together when Willison went off and you know it was just a little one way traffic yeah Tom yeah, I, think, I think having sorry I was just going to I was going to say on the, on, on the breakdown point we spoke about how important that was for us last week um, obviously with Dan Levy at number 8 I think they they were sort of missing a little bit at the breakdown last week um, you know Jack Conan coming back in to number eight this week, and I thought he was he was really impactful, and, and he didn't allow Francois Lowe and, and Sam Underhill to, to operate in the same way as as way as they did. Yeah, I think you saw you Jamie Roberts if he was impactful or not, because uh, oh, certainly yeah. quite a big impact as Jamie Roberts was shoved to the floor. Um, yeah, we oh, that just made me think about you know all his comments about you know uh, training like Tarzan, playing like Jane, and, and I said at the time he wasn't you know he was slightly anonymous during that game that as well. Looked like Jane, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> you know you, you cannot you cannot be missing missing that tackle, and 
yeah, not not a good start, and it didn't really get any better. Yeah, I thought Roberts uh, in particular struggle, which which was quite surprising. Um, you know, given his his, his international experience, you'd, you'd think that he'd be a sort of player to to rise to the occasion. You know, of, of playing at the Aviva Stadium, having played there for Wales um, a number of times in the past, I'd imagine. Um, Tom, uh, who who else uh, would you say um, didn't perhaps have their their best game in the blue, black, and white on on Saturday evening? Did you say? Yeah, who would you say struggled uh, to make an impact? Uh, I was gonna, I was, I was gonna pick out Jacques, Jacques Van Rooyen actually um, on, on the loose set. That was sort of uh, the main sort of change, um, I guess, from last week. Um, obviously, Nathan Katz being a starter sort of throughout the season, and you know, playing against Tad Furlong, obviously British Norris Lions uh, tight head. We know what a fantastic player he is, and I thought Van Rooyen did really struggle. Um, and I think that was sort of shown by the fact that Cap did come on after, I think it was 47, 48 minutes and made a real impact when he did. The scrum was was firmed up nicely. Um, so while I understand that, obviously, props in particular, you do need to rotate sort of personnel in those positions. Um, yeah, I think missing Nathan Cap was, was sort of a, a big part of, of probably why we weren't, uh, we know we did struggle with the collisions and, and a set piece, the scrum time in particular. Yeah, yeah, we we were we were being dominated in the scrum, uh, especially in that first yeah. half when Van Rooyen was on. I couldn't really understand mm. that decision not to uh, uh, not to start Cap because, as you say, it may have been a rotation thing. But I didn't think uh, a game as important as, as this, which you know we actually, as we all know, the odds was, weren't in our favour, but we had to come away with a win to keep our European uh, European Cup hopes alive. So it was it was an odd, odd decision to make because I thought Cat has been one of the, one of our, our standout forwards, especially um, in if not players this entire season. Yeah. I, I, imagine, I was going to say I imagine it was a rotation thing, but the only other thing I could think about is that Van Rooyen potentially um, has written into his contract that he will start a certain number of games. Um, I know that's happened sort of in the past in terms of the rotation and they have sort of, you know, their hands have been forced a little bit in terms of the players they play. So um, I don't know whether that's, you know, pure speculation on my part, but um, I think going forward, uh, you know, as many games as Nathan Cap can start, I think uh, I'd definitely like to see him start. Yeah, I think that that front row as a as a unit this season has been a, a real positive for us, um, Thomas Dunn and Katz. And it was slightly strange uh, that we that we rotated, especially as I think I think last week, um, you know, against what is such a strong Leinster front row, I think we we, we kind of matched them uh, in that areas. Um, and and Thomas especially last week uh, was excellent in the loose guys. Um, you know, where else do you think we? What other areas did you? We've spoken about the the scrum and the, and the collisions. What other areas of the game do you? think uh do you think let us down um you know our backs once again charlie were look look, look, look quite blunt in attack did you see it like that yeah yeah they they were quite quite blunt as you say um we sometimes look like we're trying to trying to fling the ball a bit a bit too a, a bit a bit too much um they chuck it about a bit uh and i i think that's where we struggled a bit when when the games like opened up uh like I think this entire season, this game's opened up a bit, and a team like Leinster, who, who who do so well when the game does open up, and they're able to strike from anywhere. You know, they they ran in three tries from about forty meters out, um, and well, it, it doesn't help. You know, Willison went off early, and we had to shuffle around the back line again. You know, there was there was three players 
moved around. You know, McConaughey went up to the wing, Darren went to fullback, and uh, Cooper Bruna steps into to the centre, which isn't his uh, <laughs> his most favoured position. Uh, but uh, and then we got arguably a fullback playing at ten, uh, and it's just it, it's it, it just seems like just seems like we've just riddled with injuries mm. from since, since day one almost uh, and I just don't think that's that really helps uh, yeah, I think it's hard, it to, hard to put, put the finger on it has, has been a bit of bad luck in terms of that though it seems like every time we, we put a, a back line um, you know the two replacements or three replacements on the bench in the back line you know the one guy that we can ill afford to go down yeah. you know always seems to be the one that goes down I mean I know you can't you can't blame it on that and Leinster were miles better than us on the day but you know it does seem to be you know we saw it with Burns and 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 Tom Homer, and then we saw it with Willison, who's probably the only one there that we that we really could ill afford to go down. Um, so that was slightly yeah. frustrating, but I don't think that's an excuse, Tom, uh, is it? No, not at all. And, and and to be honest, you know, Charlie, you talk about uh, sort of the attack there and potentially being slightly blunt. I thought in defence as well, um, you know, the back struggled uh, this week to sort of have any have any connectivity, and, and you know, Leinster torn to shreds as a result. And you know, we actually had a tweet uh, during the match from uh, Crookie nineteen seventy nine, um, who was asking about sort of why we were surprised by the Sexton uh, wraparound move for the for the second uh, Leinster try. And <laughs> it's never been done before. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. It's something, it's something they do every single week. You know, Tom Ellis was there marking him up. Um, but actually, I was sort of having a look at it, and I think it's it's James Wilson's fault. He's obviously not used to sort of defending in the ten channel, um, and he hasn't played with Jamie Robertson and Jackson Wilson much this season. Obviously, it wasn't a pre-season, um, and he just flies up the line allows Johnny Sexton just to give the short ball and then get it back before Wilson can make the tackle. And then the gap just opens up for him. So it's just having that sort of connectivity um, in defence. And obviously that comes with playing time. But, you know, like you made the point last week, G, you know, we are getting broadly the same guys out on the field. So we need to... Yeah, just lost Tom there ever so... Yeah. Oh, um, he's, he's back. I'm sure it was a fantastic point. Um, uh, just lost you ever so slightly. Just lost you again there, Tom. Anyway, um, Charlie, I'll come to you now, and, and let's try um, let's try and put a bit more of a, a positive spin on it, Charlie. Um, who do you think uh, individually um, stood out for for Bath this week um, against Leinster? Uh, well, I thought I, I, I've. I've um, Mentioned Francois Lowe. Uh, I thought I thought he was he was pretty solid around the breakdown. And uh, you know, as you mentioned, he, he may be playing for his contract at the moment, uh, mm. and he's I think he's certainly giving his absolute all. Uh, he's impressed me these last few weeks against Leinster. Um, but otherwise, um, I thought Charlie Yules was also was also uh, a standout. I thought he really worked hard around the park. Um, he's 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 Kind of, he's leading leading the team from the front, I think, and he does a lot of the hard graft that goes uh, slightly under the radar sometimes. Uh, and I, I, I was I was impressed with him. Uh, surprised he was Charlie Rule, Charlie Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he he was really really um, really impressive for me. Uh, although I was, was surprised he was still on the field. Um, uh, early on, he took that big blow, and I, I when I saw it live, I was like, he's he's, he's out cold. Uh, when he took that blow to the head, he uh, caught his head on. Uh, yeah. I can't remember whose hip it was. Um, he didn't even take him off for an HIA. I just, <laughs> I, I was, I was pretty surprised. Um, what about, uh, what about for you then, Tom? Who stood out uh, on the Bath side for you this week? Um, it is 
it's difficult to pick out many positives, <laughs> uh, to be honest. But I think, you know, I, th- I think Tom Dunn was, was good. Uh, 14 out of 14 tackles, uh, seven lineups out of seven while he was on. So that was 100%. Um, and that's obviously an area that, um, you know, we have struggled with, um, you know, it, 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 consistency-wise in some games this season. So I, I thought uh, Tom Dunn acquitted himself well. But, um, yeah, we, we were well beaten. And uh, I think in terms of picking out real positives from the game, um, I think, for me, it really proved, actually, why Johnny Sexton um, is regarded as such a good player and, you know, why he won um, that World Player of the Year award. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He looked like he had so much more time than everyone else um, on the pitch. Um, and, yeah, he, he, he led from the front. So, um, I think Leinster are going to be a very, very tough team to beat. Yeah, he... what, um, what Sexton does so well... Sorry, sorry, Gabe, cutting in there. Uh, what Sexton does so well is... is he just entices defenders just to step in and bite onto him. Uh, you know, just uh, you know, with those wraparound moves, he just baits them and then just draws and gives the man. He does it so well. The amount of times uh, Leinster went straight through the middle of us. Um, and so, in fact, with the uh, is a stat for you, uh, Tom. You'll enjoy this. There was 17 clean breaks by by Leinster, which just gives you. <laughs> just kind of highlights how, how weak our defence was one, but also how powerful yeah. that attack was and their ability to just go straight through the middle. Um, uh, wait, no, but it was a, you know, you've got to say it's hard for us to, to, to go and find positives out of, out of that performance when really all the positives came from the Leinster side. Uh, their players were fantastic uh, and yeah. our defence just, just couldn't really handle it. Yeah, I, I was just going to pick up one one other point as well, Reggie. Um, you will you'll get a word in a minute. <laughs> um, but this is just a few things I, I, I want to sort of moan about, to be honest. And and you know the first thing is just game awareness. So the James Lowe try that is an absolute coach killer. You know, ret- turning your backs to to a player, him Tom Dunn giving him the ball straight away, and then him tapping going going straight over. Yeah. That's the sort of try that if you concede. If you concede, you're never going to win games at the top level. Um, so I bet Todd Blackadder and the rest of the coaching staff are, and the players are, monumentally sort of frustrated uh, by that one. Yeah, that that was sort of a schoolboy error, wasn't it? And it kind of, you know, at times did feel a bit like um, sort of men against boys out there. And I think just picking up on your guys' uh, point about Sexton, I think what what he is so good at is, is is sort of timing. And and you're right, Charlie. He waits for you to bite, waits for you, to, and then he, and then he delivers the perfect ball. And I think a lot of that is, you know, he's obviously a, a quality quality player. But a lot of that as well comes from playing a lot of rugby with with the guys around him. Uh, you look at that. You look at that Leinster team, and you know he's played a lot of rugby with them, and a lot of them are involved with the the Irish setup. And then if you compare that with with our team, yeah, uh, you mentioned it, Tom, uh, that James Wilson wasn't around for pre-season, uh, stepping in at fly half, which isn't his preferred position, and you just lack that sort of that timing and, and that, that that gelling in the three quarters. You know, Sexton gels so well with the likes of of Ringrose and and Lama and these guys. Um, when Carney's playing and, and when Henshaw's playing, these guys, he gels so well with them and he, he he puts them into the gaps and they know exactly how to play with him. And on our side, it kind of is a little bit disjointed at the moment, our attack, which um, which is is down to injuries, but also down to, you know, maybe our, our attacking structure isn't quite as um, isn't quite as good or isn't quite as well-trained as, as theirs. I don't know what you guys think of that. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you, G, but I think sort of the other side of that coin is you look at, uh, you know, the inside centre for Leinster, Rory O'Loughlin, who, who was a man of the match and who hasn't 
started a European game for I think a couple of seasons so he's someone that's just slotted in who Sexton hasn't necessarily played much with recently but because of yeah. um, I don't know the, the connectedness of, of the Leinster attack and the way that they communicate he can just slot in and, and it doesn't he doesn't sort of look out of place whereas sort of in our attack it looks like we're missing one player someone else comes in to fill that void and suddenly we lose all of that structure and you know it shouldn't be the case yeah. I think, sorry, if I can make a point here, I, I think this is this is really good. Um, uh, trying to get to the to, to the grips of this is that Leinster seem to all the players seem to completely one hundred percent understand the structure and the game plan that they've got in place, uh, and because of that, they can almost predict and see where the ball is going to be in a few moments' time. And that's why I think that they know that they're looking to... Uh, players like Johnny Sexton um, are tr- trying to look for these half-breaks and then put uh, make an offload to put people through the gaps. Uh, whereas in the Bath team, no one entirely... I, I, I still, even as a supporter, don't entirely understand what style of rugby we're trying to play. Uh, we've come to... We, 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 we're just about to arrive at Christmas, and I'm not entirely sure. I think we can understand that... That when we make it to a 22, uh, we want to stick up the jumper and play a forward orientated, you know, heavy carrying um, game plan to get ourselves over the line, almost in that Exeter style mould. Uh, and obviously, we scored two of our tries from uh, from very short distances. Uh, well, I, both of our tries from short distances, but I just can't seem to understand what style of rugby we're trying to play. There seems to be no structure or anything. Yeah, yeah, you are right. I think, and like you mentioned it before, I think Tom, you know, they kind of they they kind of not expecting the ball when it's passed to them at times, and that that definitely shouldn't be the case. Uh, but they must sort of know the the game plan that they're, they're being um, they're being told to play, and it must be consistent throughout throughout. It must be consistent throughout preseason, um, and and still consistent. But it's just they're not um, delivering on it. Um, I think the only the only game I can remember this season when I when I kind of saw. What, what Bath were looking to do was when we beat Harlequins away and for 70 minutes that was a, a really good uh, performance but apart from that it kind of it's all seemed a bit disjointed the attack the defence people are Peter Ralph for position um, and I, they, they must know obviously they, they must know what they're trying to do but I think you're spot on Charlie when you say that it, it's not it's not obvious in the way they play Yeah I, I completely agree with that G and um, I thought particularly in the second half at times the attack was sort of embarrassingly unimaginative you know and, uh, and stale I think we were hampered by the fact that obviously we had to um, rejig our backline around but um, yeah I thought you know very sort of lacking in any sort of potency and, and you know the, the real thing that compounds it for me is we're trying to attack from our up just outside our 22 or our own 10 metre line and then we go and drop the ball or, or get turned over and suddenly Leinster are just outside our 22 with possession us having been you know, got absolutely nowhere or, or even been sort of driven back. Um, so I think there's, a, there's an element of sort of pragmatism as well. Uh, the nature of our game means we can't play from anywhere and we do, I think, need to be playing in the right areas. So uh, stop faffing around with the ball in our own 40. That's, that's the way I say it, but maybe that's uh, maybe that's too simple a way of looking at it. Yeah, and then, like, we the accuracy, you know, we spoke about it last week, the, the accuracy or the lack of accuracy about Bath compared to Leinster, who are so, you know, we are comparing them, Bath, with, with the best team in Europe. Um, 
but you know that's where we want to be and that's where we should be with the, with the sort of players we've got in our squad and just the, the failure to to hold on to the ball and when when it it's like an inevitability about Bath whenever we get in the 22 we're going to drop it and whenever they get into the 22 they're going to score and that that is mightily mightily uh, frustrating for 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 all the fans and and for the players you know undoubtedly even more so than us and the coaches um certainly one guy I will just uh, pick out. I know you guys have both said that it's difficult to to find positives, and and I mentioned him last week, Tom, and you kind of retorted with a with a couple of stats which perhaps proved me wrong. But um, perhaps you you'll be able to tell me uh, how Tom Ellis uh, how Tom Ellis's stats lined up this week because I thought again he was he was really good and he he was leading that that side you know in the second half. You could really tell that he was a the focal point to, to a lot of our defence. And, you know, maybe he did make a couple of errors, but I thought his, his enthusiasm around the pitch was, was really good. Um, so you'll be able to tell me how he, how he got on, Tom. Yeah, so again, I, you know, I'd be wary to say that stats definitely don't tell the full story. And his, his stats were decent, six carries, uh, nine tackles in the, in the 80 minutes he played. But I, I agree with you. I think the tackles that he, he does make, um, you know, can change the sort of flow of the game. He definitely wins the collisions. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a big lad, obviously, ex-second row. And I, I thought he was, he was very good. So on the same issue, a point that I was going to raise was I did think uh, this week... Um, it was even more obvious that we are actually lacking sort of a bit of a carrier, uh, dynamic carrier in the back mm-hmm. row. And it was a point I made um, last week, um, obviously missing Zach Mercer and, and Toby Falatau at number eight and, and Francois Lowe playing there. I do think we um, we are lacking a carrier. And while Falatau is probably not going to be um, you know, available until probably, I think it's sort of the middle of January. Zach Mercer was a travelling uh, substitute uh, to Lentry. He was warming up prior to the game. Um, and I would really like to see him uh, come back in, I think, against Wasps. And I think it would have to be um, at, the, you know, at the expense of, of Tom Ellis, despite the fact that, uh, as you say, he, he, has, he has played well. But, um, yeah, our attack's been lacking. And I think a large part of that is um, we don't probably have... Uh, as strong a runners um, in the forward pack as, uh, as, as we probably need to. Boys, that's uh, just about all the on-field uh, stuff to, to cover off from that game. One little gripe that I'm going to have now about um, you know the, the, the commentary and, and the punditry during the game. And I know that Leinster were the far superior side uh, and, and they're definitely going to be the ones that progress in the tournament and we're out and you know therefore perhaps you know slightly irrelevant in the tournament. But I just felt like at times... Like Adriscoll was obviously there, a former a Leinster great, but I think especially from Delalio's end, he, he just seems to to only want to focus on Leinster. He never sort of referenced uh, what Bath were doing well, or even what Bath were doing badly. Just just anything about Bath. Um, it was extremely frustrating for me watching it because yeah, I know that Leinster are the story definitely, but I just felt like at times it was kind of you know how well they're playing and and not very much about about us, which I found extremely frustrating and I, w- I was laughing actually with with someone when I was watching it um we were thinking about going to the to the Bath Wasps game which we'll come on to later on in the podcast and, and I sort of said well if we don't go we'll have to watch it on BT Sport and, and listen to 80 more minutes of the Lalio so it might be worth uh, the entrance fee just so we don't just to avoid having to do that <laughs> uh, I don't know what you guys think but it, it got me a bit frustrated uh, so let us know on Twitter if you agree with me or, or if you think I'm being being too harsh on the Lalio I don't know what you guys thought about that or if you think that G should uh, get the BT Sport job? <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, definitely. Definitely. I think uh, 
Gabriel, uh, Gabriel, they'll be lucky to have you over there at BT Sport, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's uh, punditry varies from game to game. That's the problem. As you say, uh, Leinster are reigning champions. Um, and they, they're, they're the team to beat, really, in the whole of Europe. And when they're playing as fantastically as that, it's hard not to just focus on them. Um, but, as you say, we're, we're Bath fans. We want to have a bit of insight in Bath uh, from from the professionals, uh, obviously not just these professionals uh, sat around the microphones at the moment. Um, it'd be nice to have some of it on the TV. Uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> Sorry, professionals, mate. <laughs> maybe slightly too harsh for me on Delali. And I, I just watched the game back uh, this afternoon, uh, Monday afternoon. Um, and yeah, it was uh, maybe I'm a little bit. Um, you know, uh, hot-headed about that, but that was quite frustrating for me. Um, moving on, then, guys, and and doesn't sound like you, Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> Getting wound up by uh, by individuals. Oh, Lawrence Delalio, yeah, it's not not the first time, and it's probably not the last. <laughs> Um, anyway, moving on to actually what is some some good news and a win. You know, the first team only three wins in in sixteen games this season. But Bath United um, played on on Sunday at the Rec against uh, Saracen Storm, um, and and came up victorious. A pretty strong uh, Bath United side, uh, featuring the likes of of both Maxes uh, in the centres. Um, Tom de Glanville was playing at ten. You know, a good back row there as well. A thirty-one twenty-four victory for. Um, for Bath United, they've had a little bit of a break uh, since the start of the season when there was when there was seemed to be a game every week, and that's the first game for a couple of months, guys. Um, I'm wondering if any of you saw saw the match report, or or, or should we just uh, should we just move on and say, say pat them on the back and say well done? Well, I was just going to make make one point. Uh, Charlie mentioned that Francois Lowe's really upped his game, obviously uh, out of contract at the end of the season, and uh, another player that's out of contract is is Ross Batty. Um, mm. Rugby Cup game uh, for the first team and bagged a brace, and he bags another brace for for Bath United uh, off the back of uh, two rolling malls. So um, yeah, maybe we should be waiting for all these players to come to last year the contract, and uh, they'll start they'll start bagging all these tries. But, uh, well, really maybe, nice. Maybe, maybe, I was going to say maybe if um, if if Bath just uh, managed to contract all their players that uh, they're all up at the end of the season, and then yeah. uh, then we might actually win something. They'll all be will we'll be unstoppable. Yeah, but about half the squad are out of contract. Uh, one year, rolling one-year contracts. <laughs> yeah, about half the squad are out of contract at the end of the season, and, and that's not doing the first team much good. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's right, lads. Um, <laughs> let's move on then. And I, I mentioned it just then. Uh, the Bath, the Bath Wasps game. Uh, it seems like we're playing Wasps every other week at the moment. But back against them in the Premiership at the Rico Arena on Sunday, uh, guys. The Premiership table, as we've spoken about, is is extremely tight. We're only four points um, off Newcastle, who are sat in bottom, and, and five points uh, off our opponents, Wasps, who are who are in the tops, uh, who are uh, who are fourth. Uh, Tom, I'll come to you first on this. Uh, how do you see this one? This one panning out. Obviously, played Wasps a couple of times already this season. Um, well, just yeah. How do you see this one panning out? I'm not. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest, because you know both teams have been in sort of a bad run of form. Wasps, in particular, have really struggled um, in the chapter. Champions Cup, obviously, in, in, in the same group as us, with a double loss to, to, to lose and losing seven out of their last um, eight matches in, in all competitions. So, uh, yeah, Wasps, Wasps have struggled, and you know, you say they're fourth, but um, they're also only nine points uh, from bottom there. So, you know, we've spoken about how how tight the table is, and they don't 
quite seem to be the same force that they were last season, particularly sort of in the back line. Obviously losing uh, Cipriani to Gloucester and, and Goppa to, to injury uh, for, for most, if not all, of this season has really blunted their attack. Um, obviously out wide as well, losing Christian Wade, um, who has, I think, been their top try scorer for the last sort of three seasons in a row, um, is a big loss. So, I, I, you know, I see it as an opportunity against Wasps. Um, if we can if we can get a win down at the Rico, it, it sets us up for potentially Charlie's accountable prediction and, and scraping our way into the into the top four. Um, but yeah, I, it's really it's really difficult to to know what Bath team's going to turn up and what Wasps team's going to turn up, which are obviously two quite big factors in determining who's going to win the match. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, they uh, it's it's going to be a tough fixture. The, the they, the Wasp performance against uh, Toulouse uh, was, was was pretty impressive. I thought they put up a, a, a real good, uh, real good fight. Uh, kind of lost it slightly towards the end. Um, they got pulled away. I don't think the scoreline really reflects uh, um, what a competitive game it was for the for, for a good sixty minutes of it. Um, and they uh, they looked slightly like the Wasps, the Wasp team we've we've seen over the past couple of seasons. Um, Playing some really good running rugby uh, and looking like they can almost score from anywhere on the field, which uh, is if they can, as you say, Tom. It depends what Wasp team are going to turn up because uh, just like the Bath team, uh, they haven't been very consistent in their performances. So uh, I'll obviously be predicting a, a five point, um, <laughs> a five, a five point bonus point victory, um, uh, so that my accountable prediction has a sniff of being correct as long as Harlequins are. Uh, thrashed by Leicester, then uh, uh, I'll be I'll be uh, uh, happy in my predictions. But it's yeah. going yeah, to be a tough contest. I was just going to make sort of the other point about Wasps, and that is that there has been some sort of on-field uh, disruption, I guess, in in recent weeks, um, which which won't have helped things. I'm thinking particularly around the rumours around Elliot Daly uh, going to Saracens, uh, the problems that have been relating to the the, the training facilities at Wasps. And also financial uh, sort of uh, trouble, I guess, rumours again, but um, starting to gather sort of a little bit more, um, a l- little bit more credence, I guess. So um, yeah, Wasps don't seem to be in a particularly particularly good place, but I mean they'll probably be saying sort of the same thing, the same thing about Bath. Yeah, a crucial couple of weeks this for us guys. Wasps, obviously, as we've just spoken about this weekend, and then Le- Leicester Tigers uh, equally as uh, having an equally as disappointing season as we are. Probably, probably actually more disappointing of the Leicester season than ours, um, which is saying something. They they come to the wreck on the thirtieth of December, so a really key key couple of matches uh, playing teams um, that are around us in the table. And Wasp is uh, you know tight at the moment that the Premiership table. Sooner or later, it's going going to start taking shape so we need to start get, racking up some wins because as I said only three wins in, in all competitions this season is really not good enough and and you know we've spoken about it but if, if we're not careful if we lose these these two games which which is feasible then we could be in and amongst the the, the relegation the relegation scrap which is not um what we what we set out to achieve at the start of the season, and we, what we did set out to achieve at the start of the season was probably top four guys. Um, I was just wondering what what you both thought would 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 prove to be a successful season for Bath now uh, out of the the Champions Cup. Uh, so so talking about the Gallagher Premiership here, um, Tom, I'll come to you first. Uh, what would you see as as a successful season for Bath uh, from from now setting setting a new goal now 
um, which is obviously going to be different from the goal we set at the start of the season. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to say because obviously the table is so tight, which means that, as you say, just a couple of wins before the new year and suddenly um, we're in a very different position sort of looking ahead to the, to the new year. I, I think top six... Um, as a minimum, is is pretty crucial to be honest. Not getting into Europe, um, not playing with the best teams, with the best players. You know, not only from a from a fans' point of view, um, obviously it's very disappointing. But you know, from these top players' perspective, they want to be playing um, at Europe. They're motivated by playing, you know, against the best players in the world. So um, for me, top six would be be an absolute minimum. Um, top four. You know, not potentially looking realistic, and I think even if we did finish fourth and then ended up going to Allianz Park for the semi-final, um, that may not be uh, sort of the best in terms of morale for the end of the season. And, and Charlie, if, yeah, if, well, if I, I'll, I'll add my point. Sorry, cutting you short there, Gabe. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think I think you're right, Tom. Top six has got to be an absolute minimum. Uh, but in such a competitive league, uh, at the moment, this season has proved one of the more competitive, uh, certainly in, uh, in, in in my recent memory. Uh, and top four has got to be a success almost almost every season, really. If you make the top four, it's definitely a success. And it seems uh, it seems mad to think that not making it into the top six, therefore, would be would be definitely in my mind uh, a failure. But. Uh, it just seems this season it's the third, the third of Todd at the helm, and I think people, you know, there's no smoke without fire, and there have been uh, lots of, there has been lots of speculations and rumours and uh, calls for Todd's head uh, over the past couple of seasons, really. Um, but if if he does fail to deliver top six, um, it, it does beg the question. So uh, hopefully we can really start to turn our results around and say and actually get some W's on the board. Uh, it's going to be crucial of this next this next period. Yeah, I think if if we weren't to make although, top although six, Charlie, sorry Tom, I'll just come in here, mate. Sorry, Godfrey, Godfrey. If we weren't to make top six, I think you're right that that Todd's um, Todd's role role as head of, of director of rugby would be in question. And I, I just wondering, like. We all praise the the open letter um, that, that the club sent yeah. out, and this is going away from from the Wasps game. But I think it's a really important point because a lot of people have got in touch with us on Twitter at Bath Rugby Plug um, with these sorts of thoughts. And if we if we weren't to make it, uh, the club potentially tied themselves in a bit of a knot and backed themselves into a bit of a hole by presenting this this long term vision, which which me perhaps naively applauded at the time, and and then they may have to go back on that and and bring someone in in the short term or or promote Hooper um a season a season earlier than initially planned. Tom, I, I don't know what you think about that. Looking back on that uh, letter and and looking at the results since then, do you, do you, do you still do you still see that as a as a do you still see that as a positive uh, thing that the club did? Yeah, I think I do, and that was actually the point I was I was about to make when I when I was going to come in. Now I think that if we're going to talk about a long term vision for the club, we need to look a little bit further than just the end of this season. And I think that's what the, the club have done. And I think even if obviously unless we go down, I think even if um, we finish outside the top six, I don't see them as as being able to. To, to sort of replace Todd because they've committed now to, to Stuart Hooper's development. I, I think next year is too early for him to come in. Um, and obviously they're looking for this this sort of new coaching structure. So I'd be very surprised if there was an overhaul to, to that. And whether that's naive um, in the short term, you know, maybe, uh, I guess, in the long longer term, it, it, I, I still see it as, as the right decision, I think. Um, well, it, it, is a, it is a tough one, but... Uh... 
when, when it comes to it, ultimately, uh, sport is a is, is a results driven business, isn't it? And it is, yeah. You, and uh, and and Bath Rugby are a very prestigious club, and uh, we should be a club that's hanging around the top half of the Premiership as a minimum, as we think we've all agreed on. Uh, and I think that, yeah, if Todd delivers um, this season and uh, it looks like we can build coming into the following seasons as well then I think he should he should hang around however there's there's an experiment that only lasts so long and if, if we if he if his top his top finish is, is a scraped sixth place last season it was only in the final game week that we managed to make into the top six if that has been his best uh, his best result uh, then I think you've got to say You've got to shake hands and go your separate ways. I think that's why we've heard, had some rumours, uh, the likes of Stuart Lancaster has been linked uh, linked linked with the club, and I think these are just uh, you no. Know, how, how do I put this? They're, they're, it's, it's, it's a plan B, if you like. I, th- I I do praise the open letter, and I think that was fantastic uh, in the club being so honest and open. Uh, but you've always got to have a plan B. It's uh, you've got to be prepared for the failure, and I think that's why we've had these people linked with the club. And there might be some uh, some other contract negotiations going on uh, that we're not so privy to. Yeah, certainly an interesting. Oh, I think. Go on, Tom. Sorry. Go on, go on again. It's, 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 it's difficult. I, mean, I, was, I was just going to make the point that I think Stuart Lancaster was linked to Bath not as a sort of replacement for Blackadder, but as the senior head coach that um, we were going to sign next season. So I think that is that is separate. Um, I, I just do not think personally that the way that they've gone about the open letter and the long term vision that they can they, they can sack Blackadder. Um, you know, obviously, unless we do go down. And I think if you asked. Blackadder now, with the Premiership as tight as it is, will give you a scraped sixth place in the Premiership. I'm maybe not as optimistic as you guys, but I think you would. I think you would take that with both hands. Yeah, yeah. And what does what does that say about the sort of ambition of the club? We're only we're only hot. We're we're in sixth at the moment, and we should we should still have the ambitions to to be top four. And that is probably unrealistic, but I still think that should be the ambition of the club. And if he's going to take take top six, and then next season take top six again, and then hand over a, a you know a, a camp a, a club that, that that's just scraping top six to, to Stuart Hooper. What sort of what a sort of succession plan is that, guys? And I think this is a good, interesting discussion. And one for you, the listeners, please, please do join in with us. Uh, as I said, we're at Bath Rugby Plug on Twitter. Um, we're also on on Facebook, Bath Rugby Plug, or or, or send us an email with your thoughts, uh, bathrugbyplug at gmail.com. And and bit of a bit of a getting off topic there, guys. But let's get back to the to the Wasps game uh, this Sunday at the Rico. In the Gallagher Premiership, uh, you never know. Jonathan Joseph, uh, it's been early December, mid December, late December. He may be back. I think Falatel's now been pushed back to the new year. Um, I imagine a couple of other changes um, to to the squad, especially given the the the, the positive Bath United win. Uh, and Charlie, I'll come to you first. Uh, give us a, give us a prediction for for this weekend. Uh, obviously, difficult to know now, uh, given we don't know the the status of a, of a number of our of our players. Um, Willison and, and Dan hobbling off in the Leinster game, but but what would you recording on Monday night? What would you uh, predict uh, is going to happen on on Sunday, mate? Uh, yeah, well, I think the, the area that we've got to target against Wasps is definitely up front. We've spoken already about uh, power of the uh, of the Cats, Dunn, Thomas front row. Uh, I think also. It, the strength of depth in our second row is is, is one of the best in the league. Uh, I've already mentioned how well yours he's been playing. Uh, 
was, was, was Stukes on fire this season. Um, and in the back row, probably uh, agree with what Tom was saying earlier and uh, mix up Ellis and probably, uh, probably get someone else in there. I feel like we slightly lacked a bit of dyna- uh, dynamism. Um, but uh, it's, 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 it's it's hard to tell hard to tell which team is going to turn up. That's been the ultimate um, problem this season. I'm, I'm not so sure if it's been extremely competitive or it's just been extremely inconsistent from team to team. Uh, but uh, hopefully we'll we'll put out a fantastic performance. And obviously I want to predict nothing less than a than a, <laughs> than a five point win. I've got I've got to, I've got to stick to my guns. Uh, <laughs> a five point bonus point win away from home at the Rico. Uh, Against a Wasps team that does seem to be, uh, you know, in a similar boat to Bath, uh, so uh, hopefully we can capitalise them, uh, capitalise on them while they're having a having a poor week. So I'll go uh, Bath by Bath by twelve. Nice. And and Tom, what do you reckon? I agree with Charlie on the the point about targeting them up front, particularly um, in the front five. And just having a quick look at the at the Wasps front five that, that played away at Toulouse. So you've got Ben Harris, Ashley Johnson, Kieran Brooks, the enforcer himself, Charlie Matthews, and, and Kieran Mile. Um, and for me, that is that for me, that's gotta be one of the weakest front fives in the premiership currently. Um, I would say across the board. Um, and you know, Charlie, you're mentioning how, how strong our second row's been. I'd really like to see um, if possible Nathan come back into the, the loose head prop shirt. Hopefully, um, Tom Dunn is fit and, and Henry Thomas as well. And I think that's an area we can we can really target. Um, so yeah, I I'm um, I'm also optimistic about this week actually, and probably potentially for for similar reasons to you, Charlie. Maybe not because we'll be good, but uh, that wasps have been really struggling. Um, and how pessimistic does that sound? We'll only win because they're worse than we are. But, um, <laughs> uh, so I, I will go for a bath win as well, but I don't think it will be by much. And, and I don't think we'll get the five points, to be honest. So I'll go bath four points, um, four points as in no bonus point try. And I think we'll win by eight points. And yeah, I think one point you said there, Charlie, is that, that Bath have been inconsistent. I think that that's a bit generous to, to the squad this season. We we have been consistent. It's been it's been consistently pretty poor. As I say, three wins in all competitions. Um, but despite all that, um, I'm going to make it a clean sweep of, of Bath victories um, for the for the same reasons you guys mentioned. Target the scrum. Target the line out. Target the driving mall. Um, be a nuisance at the breakdown. Eight day turnaround. Obviously Saturday. To, 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 to Sunday, the Sunday game. Uh, so give them a bit more time to recover from what must have been a difficult uh, game against Leinster. So yeah, clean sweep of Bath victories. Uh, and I'm going to go, I'll go bang in the middle of you two and, and go Bath by 10. Um, fingers crossed for that. Uh, thank you very much uh, for, for listening. Um, uh, as I say, please do get in touch with us. Um, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, via email. And if you do enjoy the, the podcast, uh, please do leave us a, a review on, on iTunes or on Acast or on whenever, wherever you get your, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we really do appreciate that. And, and, and tell your friends, um, because that's, that's how we, we spread the word here. Um, so yeah, g- give us a helping hand. And if there are, you do know a, a Bath friend, um, that, that, that doesn't listen to the podcast or doesn't know about the podcast then then give them a give them a nice christmas present and let that be our, our podcast um thank you very much for, for listening and we'll be back same time next week um to to review bath against wasps thank you very much charlie cheers guys see you and next week in a christmasy mood cheers tom cheers guys thank you